protocol of alignment, the protocol of alignment. All right. Um, our first scripture, I like if you could do us the honors. Can you go to Revelation chapter 19, verse 11? Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, please. Revelation yes. chapter 19. Yes, just read for me. Just I'll be I'll be on Guinness. Okay, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he sat upon him, was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture vest dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. And okay, he, just, just just verse eleven. I think you passed it, right? Yes. Okay. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Okay. Bible says, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he does judge and make war. Now, when you look at that scripture, there's something a bit, a bit, you know, out of alignment. Bible says that, and I saw heaven open, stay with me, and built a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful. He that sat upon him. It wasn't he that sat upon it. So scripture here is giving the horse agenda that the horse is a man, all right? He that sat upon him. So a man is sitting on a male horse. So scripture here is giving us much more insight, but I don't want to go into that. That was just by the way. Now, when you start your Christian walk, Right when you start your Christian work, God is a father to you, mm. but that does not transcend all the way throughout your journey. Mm. Now, there are three things God is to a man number one, God is a father, number two, God is a judge, number three, God is a king. There's mm. a scripture reference out for it, but I didn't note it down. But it should be in the book of Psalm somewhere. Maybe later I'll, 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 I will remember and bring it up. When you start your Christian world, God is a father. But that's not the case. As you journey on the path of spiritual progress, God becomes something more than a father. Or something different to a father. Okay. Now, when you read the book of Luke chapter 18, I'll give you my favorite scripture in the Bible. Bible says in Luke chapter 18, he spoke a parable unto them, saying unto this far, that men ought always to pray not to faint. And he said in the city there was a king, or there was a judge. Bible says he neither feared men or feared God. Now in Luke chapter 18, when Jesus was speaking, he was introducing another dimension of God to the disciples. Now, I said that in the beginning of your work with God, you relate with God as a father. 
But God is more than a father. God relates with mankind or with the man that he wants to walk, go far with in three dimensions. The first, I said, he relates with them as a father. The second, he relates with them as a kid. And the third, he relates with them as a judge. Okay? But now in the book of uh, Luke chapter 18, let me just open it for opening sake. Let me, so that I'll be able to see something there. Luke chapter 18. So let me continue. So, Luke chapter 18. Glory to God. Luke chapter 18. Bible says that he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray, not to faint. Verse 2. Saying there was a city, a judge, which feared not God and neither regarded man. So, I said that in Luke chapter 80, when Jesus was speaking the parable unto them, he wasn't just saying that they ought to pray. That man has to be consistent. No, it's more than that. Jesus was introducing a different dimension of God. Because that judge is a typology of their father in heaven. Bible says he neither feared men or he feared God. Okay. So this dimension I'm talking about, even though God is your father, God can take this form of dimensional mode towards a man. Okay. So he's also a judge, like I said. And he's also a judge. I'll prove that scripture to the book of Psalms. I should have it to the book of Psalms. I should have it to the book of Psalms. How come I didn't know this time? Lord, help me. I should have it in the book of Psalms. Should be there instead. Uh, did I? Okay. I can't find it. Let's move. But it's in the book of Psalms. I know I have it in my study Bible. Let's move. I'll bring it later. So, the day you meet God, as a judge, there is a positioning you must take to interact with the dimensions of God that he's showcasing to you. I said before that God is a father. He's a judge and a king. Now in Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 2, the, 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 the dimension Jesus is trying to portray or relay to us and to the disciples is the is the mode in which God takes as a judge. So, you are not coming to God as a child, but as a son who understands the realities and the technicalities of the kingdom. So, whenever you meet God as a judge, you ain't going to come to him as daddy, father, no. You're coming to him as a son who understands the protocols, the realities, and the technicalities that governs the kingdom of God. Okay, so now when God takes the, the mode of a judge, he doesn't look at you just as a son. No, he looks at you on a stricter plane of evaluation. So let's say Ella goes to God. Now when Ella goes to God and God takes a form of a judge, God does not, is not going to relate to Ella just as a daughter. No, he is going to relate to 
Ella, more than just a daughter. That is why you must understand the different modes God can take in your life. Okay? Bible says in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4, in righteousness, he judges and he makes war. Okay? So God is a judge. Whatever you do on this earth, you'll be held accountable and you'll be judged. So anytime you want God to make war for you, you must come into the judgment system of God. So three things you need to make God wage war for you on your behalf, effectually and perpetually. You need, you need three things. You need to understand three things for God to fight your battles for you all the days of your life. Number one, you need judgment. Number two, you need mercy. Number three, you need faith. I will explain this. These are the three things you need perpetually to have victory in spiritual warfare. Many of us on our battles are having many spiritual battles. What you need is these three commodities. Number one, you need the judgment system of heaven. Number two, you need the mercy system of heaven. And number three, you need the faithfulness system of heaven. Okay. Now, the God that makes war, is also a God of mercy and also faithfulness and truth. Okay? How do I prove this? Ella, read Revelations, read the scripture for us. Revelations 19, 11 for us again. Revelations 19, 11. <clears throat> yep. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he does judge and make war. So in that context, like I said, the three items I listed, God is explaining that context. He said he's faithful and true. He judges and makes war. So these are the dimensions of God God can take. God can judge you, but he can also be merciful. Even though God can be merciful, God can also show himself faithful to you. So there are different modes and dimensions God can take. And it's how you relate with God that is going to what benefit you or what not benefit you. Okay. So let me start. Now it's just foundation. I'm clearing the grass that we are come to plant. Then grow. Now when God appears in battle, he is always on the side of the man. That has what? Gained alignment with him. Bible said something like, he said, God is not restrained to save by the few of many. So God is not incapacitated. God is not limited by whether he has people on his side or he doesn't have nobody on his side. God can win with one or he can win with one million. It does not matter to God because he is what? The monarch and the sovereignty of what? All things. Okay. So God, the man of all, it's not going to hand you victory just because you think you should be victorious or you think that it is your it is your heritage. I I have there are so many believers in this dispensational thing that oh I accept Jesus as my Lord and personal savior, so everything is gonna go rousy for me. I will pray five minutes and get victory. I will just declare that this all time my family is broken and it is broken. I am going to do extra work. I'm not going to go the extra mom. I'm not going to pray for long. I'm not going to fast like they say, oh, these people are fasting too so much. I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to give to the kingdom of God. I'm not going to do this. And yet they expect victory. 
Now listen to me. Don't think that God is your father only. So he will naturally give you everything. No. <laughs> uh, don't think that. That's the worst thought part you can have. Now, God is a father. He's also a judge. He's also a king. Don't think that God will just hand you victories and the desires of you, and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, and the desires of your heart. No. If you think so, on that day, you know that God is a different God. Now, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus was making a symbolic statement that God neither fears man. When Jesus was carrying the sin of this world, remember what he said? Ali, 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 my father, my father. Why hast thou forsaken me? Now, Jesus and the Father had perfect harmony unto them. But because God is just and fair, because when you do this, you have to pay the price of this, then God will have to what? Give you what you deserve or what you have done. Okay? So Jesus was carrying you and I was sin. But even though he was the son, the Bible says, my beloved son, God looked away and judged him. So don't think that God is only your father. He's also your judge and your kid. Okay? So that very day on the cross, Eli, Eli, oh God, why has thou forsaken me? The personality God took upon himself was a judge, judgment. Because God is just. Just because God is your father doesn't mean God cannot judge you. He will judge you. Because if he doesn't judge you, then God is so faithful and true. And we read in Revelation 19, verse 9, he that sat upon us was faithful and true. Even though he's faithful and true, he must still judge you and still make war. Am I making sense? So God doesn't want you. So God doesn't want you to think that, oh, He's my father, so I can do whatever I want. If I do whatever I want, he's still my father. No. If you do whatever you want, you will end up as a casualty. If you do whatever you want, you will end up as a statistics. If you do whatever you want, God might not be able to save you. Okay. So, stay with me. Thank you, Spirit of God. So God does not want you to do anything. What he wants you to do is to come to a place of alignment. God doesn't want you to be a casualty. He wants you to gain alignment with him. Because if you don't gain alignment with God, you are bound to become a casualty in life. Many of us lack alignment. God is looking for men who can gain alignment. God is not looking for the best. He's looking for the mighty. Bible says the race is not good to the swift, the battle to the strong, by what time and chance. God is looking for men who can be able to align with his purposes and his counsels. Okay. Bible says something in the book of Jeremiah that thou art my battle axe and weapons of war. 
So understand that you are God's battle axe. He said, we deal with I bring the nations. So you are God's battle axe and weapons of war. So if you am, I am God's battle axe and weapons of war, then I'm not supposed to be what a casualty in the battles of life. No, because what becomes a casualty is the people, not the weapons. Because I'm holding a knife and I used to slay somebody, right? It is the person that is going to die. It's not the knife. The knife is just a, a tool. So God, what God is trying to tell you in that scripture, in the book of Jeremiah, is that what? Whenever you become a casualty in the battles of life, it means you lack alignment because the proper portion, the proper mode for you is that you become a weapon of war. Is that God is going to use you to break the powers of darkness and the kingdom and the kingdom of darkness. But we miss our alignment and we fall into the place of casualty. Because a battle axe or a, a, a hammer cannot be a casualty on the battlefield. Okay. Now, when you have a court case, usually the lawyer will ask you, yo, tell me everything. Let's say you are going on, let's say per adventure, someone is on a medal trial, accused of killing somebody. The lawyer will tell his client, that client, tell me what happened. The absolute truth. If you killed the, the guy, let me know. If you don't kill him, let me know. The reason why lawyers do that is because they want to be on the same page with mm. their client. Even though their client, even though their client might be, uh, 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 you know, might be guilty, he still needs them to tell him, the lawyer, or her, the lawyer, that I did this, I did that. So that when they go to the trial, they'll be on the same page. They'll be on what? On the same page. Now, let me chip in something. Let me chip something in. Now, many of us are fighting spiritual warfare. If you're not fighting, not fighting spiritual warfare, then I don't know. The most important thing, I'm giving you a key. I'm giving you a key. Write it down. Remember this. The most important thing in spiritual warfare is the ability to survive first. When you when they are battling in the realms of the spirit, the most important thing is what? You have the ability to survive. The what? Ability to survive. The ability to survive. Many go and fight spiritual warfare and they don't know whether they'll survive or not. Mm -hmm. When you take that posture or mode, you become a casualty. You become wounded. Mm -hmm. That is why scripture says, I, 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 would, I, would, I would restore health to you and heal you of all your wounds. Why? Because when they went to battle, their first predominant pattern was not to survive. They thought that oh, our first predominant thought pattern is to kill. No, when you go to battle, the first thing you must think is how do I survive? Mm -hmm. If you can get my survivors first, then you apply your strategy how to overcome the enemy. So, I hear people saying this season, "Oh, God is moving. God is doing a lot." Mm -hmm. But the question is, do you have alignment? Mm -hmm. Now let's look at alignment in aerodynamics in cars. Now, if I ask a question, what is fuel balancing? I'll get, I'll probably get a decent answer. 
because of time, we'll just move. So we'll balance it. It's basically the process of balancing the weight of a tire, a car tire, with a wheel, so that when it travels at high speed, it's even, right? So we'll balance it. It's when the weight of the tire and the stereo is balanced. So that when I travel at 120 kilometers miles per hour, my car does not somersault or my car is stable. Okay? Now, when you don't have wheel balancing and you are at the top speed, have you realized that your car starts to shake? I don't know whether you've had this experience. Maybe you are driving with somebody and there is no wheel alignment. The car has the tire alignment, the wheel alignment is not good. When you begin to hit top speed, you begin to feel some vibrations in the car. If you're sitting in the first two seats, the passengers in the driver's seat, you will feel that the tire is vibrating. It's like the tire wants to come out. Why? Because there is no alignment. Because there is no what? Alignment. Now let's go to Ezekiel chapter 1, 3 to 5. Ella, do us the honors, please. Ezekiel chapter 1, 3 to 5. Okay. Um, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. The word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Shebar. And the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and the fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the mist thereof, as the color of amber, out of the mist of the fire, also out of the mist, midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Should I continue? Uh, is that verse five? Yeah, okay, that's fine. Fall down. So, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest. <clears throat> Glory to God. I'll go to three to five again. Let me see. Now, you can ask God for many things, pray for many things, but I want you to understand this today that. You can ask God for anything. He said, ask so that your job will be fulfilled, right? Ask and shall receive. But if God knows that you don't have the capacity to handle it, he will never give it to you. Now, human beings are wasters. We waste, but God is never a waster. Whatever God gives you, he, he, he expects that you produce profit dividends for him. That is why God was angry with the people he gave the talents to. He gave one. He gave two. He gave five. The one did not go and multiply. The two were to multiply. The five were to multiply. So God is so a waster. Any investment God puts in you, he expects that you will get profit dividends. You will get an increase. That's why the Bible says that fruit, some will bear a hundredfold, some will bear 24. So the kingdom of God is based on what? The investment God has placed in you. And not just that. Every investment, you expect a profit dividend. Even God 
expect a prophet dividends when he places his hands upon you. When he gives you the anointing, he's giving the anointing not to waste it, but to create a prophet dividence by, by changing lives and winning souls into the kingdom of God. Now we have read many revivals. Revival, Azusa's revival. A lot of revival going on here and there back in many years. And suddenly enough, many of those revivals didn't end well. You can start a revival, but the revival will dry up and it didn't go well. Even back home in Qatar in 2016, I believe that there was a mighty revival and that revival ended badly. I said what I said. So, huh. let's back to the car. If you don't balance your tire and wheel and then you're going at a high speed, you begin to, your hands will begin to shake. There's a scripture just popped up in my Bible says, a false balance is an abomination unto the Lord. So God is saying that there must be a level of alignment in your life. You must be able to balance the demands and the demands of life. The demands of God and the demands of life. Okay. So, it is not that you can't drive or the car that you are driving isn't good. But when there is imbalance, when there is double alignment, then you are heading for a dangerous crash. Many of us have been driving, doing many things, presumably for God or in the eyes of God. But many of us lack. Now, God is looking for men who will say that, no, let's sit down and get this right. Let's get the vision right. Let's not rush. Because there is a minimal error on the assignment God wants to partner with men. <laughs> God is looking for 100% accuracy. Mm. Now, in the kingdom of God, God is looking for, God is looking for 60% accuracy, though. Because if it's 60% accuracy, the devil will break it. Mm. God is looking for what? 100% accuracy. Now, the problem is alignment. When we disalign in the Garden of Eden, we fall for glory. Man, you and I, was a great and glorious being. Bible says that we are crowned with what glory and we are made in the image and likeness of the Father. All right? Now, when we fell from the Garden of Eden, when we fell from the Garden of Eden, something happened. We lost the glory. And the Bible says that Ye are the children of the Most High, but you shall die like mere men. Everything in life is alignment. God is looking for men that he can ride on. Not just ride on, but ride on a high speed that your hands will not be vibrating. Because if you are not aligned and God begins to work with you, you would 
disintegrate. You would be able to contain what God wants to do in your life. So we need alignment. Now I'm gonna say something. It's very controversial. God can also have an accident. Same way human beings have accident, the father can have an accident. Let me explain. Now, whenever the will of God doesn't find expression on the face of earth, of the earth, or the purposes of God is truncated, it is an accident for heaven. So, if the will of God does not come to pass on earth, it's like God has had it's like God has had an accident. If the purposes of God are truncated, it means if the purposes of God are shortened or are, 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 is cut off, it means God has had, a, has had an accident. Ezekiel 1, verse 5. And I read that for us again. Ezekiel 1, verse 5. Glory to God. Ezekiel 1, verse 5. Yeah. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their parents. They had the likeness of a man. Okay. Also, out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this, and this was their parents. And they had the likeness of a man. Okay. So... The four living creatures, Bible says, were like of a man, right? That's what scripture is saying. Nothing too deep here. So, if you can understand the operation of these four living creatures, then you can decode the intended purposes of God for man. So, if we understand how these four creatures operate, then you can use that to understand what God wants to do with man. Because the Bible says those four living creatures were like man. So if we understand those four living creatures, then we can understand the function of man under the economy of God. Okay. Now, Ella, read for us Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 7 to 17. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 7 to 17. Yes, please. And their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. Eight. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides, and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went every one straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and they four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another, and two covered their bodies. And they went every one straight forward. Whither the spirit was to go, they went, and they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the, of the living creatures, the appearance was like burning coals of fire, and like 
<clears throat> and like the appearance of lambs, it went up and down among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now, as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their works was like unto the color of a barrel, and they four had one likeness, and the appearance and their work was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. When they went, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. Oh, amen. Thank you. So, is it a long reading? Now, uh, okay. Let's let me let me pick verse ten. It says, "As for the likeness of their faces, therefore had the face of a man." So, let's do some small uh, Bible study here. Then we move to the close very early. Four faces. First face was what a man. So look at me. I hope everybody can see me. So let's say it is four angles, right? Four, so four, four surfaces, right? Like in maths. The front face or the front surface was the face of a man, like, like mine. It says, and the face of a lion on the right side. So this is my right side, right? Probably your right side will be here for me, but this is my right side. So my face here on this side, was a lion, okay? On the left side was an ox. And on my back of my head was an eagle, okay? So front is a man, right is a lion, left is an ox, and back is an eagle, okay? Now, when we have four living creatures, so now we have four living creatures. The Bible says that each of them had a wheel, okay? So, let's go some stuff, then we'll pray. So, there are four dimensions a man can tap into the things of God. There are like, there are four, there are four uh, indices in some mathematical, you know, uh, 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 studies. In maths, we have length, depth, width and height. It's four, right? Same thing in the kingdom, in the spirit. There are four dimensions you can tap into. So now let's decode the face of a man. Now man is the most different entity God created, number one. Man has a spirit, has a soul, and a body, okay? Man is not a spirit, but has a spirit. I'm trying to emphasize this. Man has a spirit. So you are not spirit. You have a spirit. Because if you are a spirit, then you must not have flesh and blood, like I said the other time. And a spirit does not have flesh and blood. But you have flesh and blood. So you are what? You are a being that works in three dimensions. Okay? So with your spirit, you have God consciousness. With your soul, you have self-consciousness. With your body, you have world consciousness. The difference between every 
cre created be as man is that God put a will. Will as in W-I-L-L, a will, the will of God. So will, just like God gave you a will, right? Will, will, stay with me. I'm trying to learn all this that will close. Will, W-I-L-L. Like a steering wheel, steering wheel, W-H-W-E-L, right? It has the freedom to turn every side it pleases, but God doesn't want that. If I have a steering wheel, based on wherever I want the, steering, the car to go, I turn it, the car will go here, okay? Same thing with the will of man, okay? In your work with God, you must first appear as a man. Now, breaking down the four living creatures, not in the deepest into the depths, but something so that we understand. So in your work with God, you first you first appear as a man. Then you, God begins to deal with you. Okay? So when you became born again, you when you're working with God, according to Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 10, you must take on the form of those four living creatures. Number one, man. Yes. So, number one, you must take on the form of four living creatures. Number one is man. Number two is a lion. Number three is an ox. Number four is an eagle. You must take the form of those four creatures. All right? For you to have an accurate work with the Father. So, well, how should I say this? So, okay. okay. So I said the first form is you take the form of a man. When you became born again, you came to God as a man. A man who's incapacitated. Mm -hmm. a man, is this my own? A man, a man, a man. No, because, um, a man. My room is on. Okay. A man who is what? Incapacitated, right? Okay. So when you first appear, you appear as a man, then God will begin to deal with you, right? Okay. So you have to go through the process of what I call metamorphosis to move from a man of man to a man of God. Okay, so the first stage is the face of a man. So when you come as a man, God begins to deal with you, begins to work in you, begins to chisel things in you, he begins to take things out of you. So then you go through the process of metamorphosis to move you from what? A man of man to a man of God. So God will take you through dealings. So first you appear as a man, right? When you appear as a man, you have to die to many things. You must die to fame. You must die to lust. You must die to money. You must die to a lot of things. Okay? Now, the problem is, is your will aligned? Is my will aligned? 
I use the analogy of a car for a reason. When a steering wheel is not aligned, the next thing you expect is a huge accident or crash. Now, if the will of a man is not aligned, the next thing you expect is a crash. When Jesus came to Gethsemane, he made a strong cry to him, to whom that can save him. He said, Father, not my will, but your will, as it is in heaven. The will of man. Many don't have alignment. Many don't have alignment. The will says go left. The time was to go right. You are disjointed all over the place. God says go left. You are saying I'm going right. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you have alignment. Just because you are in the house of God, that's where you are alive. Now let's talk about the next phase. The next phase is the phase of a lion. Now God wants you to take it, God wants you to take a posture of courage and boldness. All right. First, when you be when you came to God as a man, you were weakling, you were weak, you were a bag of infirmity. But when God began to chisel things out and begin to take you to the process of alignment, it brings you to a new realm, which is the face of a lion. It begins to instill courage and boldness to you. So the demons that used to oppress you, now you, 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 oppress, you oppress them. Right? The problem that used to, you know, make you depressed, now you are, you are, you are lost. You are, you, are, you are not fearful no more. So, the problem of man is his will is not aligned with God. Your heart is not aligned with God. The problem of every believer under the sun is that our heart, our will, has to align it with the Father. Has to align it with the Father. I ask somebody, why are you looking for God? If God gives you power, the mantle, the body, that girlfriend, that boyfriend, that you endlessly covet, will you still come back and seek him? Will your motive about God, will it still be intact? Now we move from the lion, we go to the ox. The ox is an animal that symbolizes strength. Strength as in its feet. So God is saying that it's your feet aligned. Your feet aligned. It's your steps ordered by me. The Bible says, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. It's your steps aligned to the extent that it's ordered by me. The fourth one is an eagle that I'll close. God wants you to fly. And let me say this with the arms. God wants you to be strong and mighty. But have you aligned? God wants you to fly. He wants you to fly. He wants you to be a high roller. But you don't want to wait. I will say that day that wait upon the Lord. 
they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. So if you want to activate the fourth phase of an eagle, you must be willing to wait on God. You must be willing to wait on God. So four phases. I use the analogy of the of the tire to explain alignment. It is it is everything to get alignment. Everything. It is everything to get alignment. If you don't get alignment, you are in big trouble. Big, big trouble. I want us to pray. We're going to pray a series of prayer, but to the oppose very early. I want us to pray as God, our Father. Help me to align my will to your will. We're going to pray the prayer of Jesus, our Father, from this day forth. Not by will, but let your will to be done. Listen, some of you pray this prayer point. You'll regret it. You know why I'm telling you that? Because if you pray that God, not by will, by your will, sometimes when God's will is being executed, you won't like it. It's painful. But five, ten years down the line, you see that indeed the will of God was good. You pray this prayer. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. After you pray this prayer, God will begin to grow things in your life. You won't like it. But the end thereof, it shall speak. 